this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Listeners, this is Brent Sutton. Welcome to episode 66 of the Practice of Learning Teams podcast show. On today's episode, we conclude our conversation with Mark Euston. I've seen Mark work alongside people like Todd Conklin, Bob Edwards, and Andrea Baker. Mark engages both workers and managers with his dramatic stories from his world of high hazard work. I consider Mark to be one of the masters of everyday learning. So please sit back and enjoy this conclusion of the two-part conversation with Mark Easton as we talk about learning from everyday work. So the, the other example was at the moment, everyone is facing an issue with resources. You can't sure. hire enough people. So an organization was running multiple projects and the theme of resources kept coming up. And of course, the, the plan work normally required five people, but in most days they only have three or four. But of the ten teams, eight through the conversations, the word resources kept coming up, you know, lack of people, all this. But the language was very neutral or positive, which meant that they were, you know, as you say, adapting and right. getting through it. The reality that we have to accept, yep. right? But one group weren't. And the organization then looked at the stories that were being told. And then it basically ran a bit of a learning team. And it actually found out that um, the lead contractor for the site was basically bullying those work teams to meet their schedule. Right. Okay. Now, people weren't saying we're being bullied. Right, of course not. Yeah. But, and I think that's where the power of a learning team allows us to explore the context. And what we've been trying to do is, how do we go and gather the context? So how, how do we take all this noise that exists, because that's what it is, it's noise. How do we make that stuff visible? How do we see those patterns forming? Because over time, the, that, how that hazard performs can dramatically change over time. Of course. Because that, that is the adaptable nature of what it is because of how people are dealing with it. But when it starts to shift from being neutral to negative or being from neutral to positive, whatever the case, whatever the shift may be, is that not a great opportunity to um, learn? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But I think you see, you know, so until AI or any of these things become smarter than we are, which, you know, may happen, well, but it's not uh, AI yet. can't be smarter than a human. But, but no. and I'll use a forestry analogy. Humans aren't good at seeing the forest from the trees. Right. We're not really good at standing back and seeing patterns. No. We're really good at then looking into it and, and understanding its context. But we're not really good at seeing patterns. Right. 
And so we're using these tools to try to show us, and we, we, do, we do this all yeah. over the place, the leading indicators, you know, lagging indicator. It's very difficult, but the, the hard work comes with, as you said, separating the noise from something that's worth looking at, worth working Patterns of words, linking to emotional sentiment, is an interesting way of exploring context. Because it it's... I'd be interested to hear as people progress with it and as time progresses, like who's been most successful at separating the noise from the actionable, you know, data points. Yeah. And then, and then hopefully we'll get better at it. Well, because what, what's, what's, uh, what, what we've been finding as we've been, because these are all experiments, that, that, that's the ultimate goal is just to experiment. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not a tool as such, because um, just, to, just as you talked about that work, that work crew that created that little thing in their in their in their van or their truck. Right. right. Um, uh, you know, we, we had something similar where, where we created a um, a thing called a thinking frame. Okay. And and that thinking frame basically had four panels, and it got them to explore their work by thinking about you know the site, the task, the equipment, people, and protection. So a little bit of a a framework, and it was right. really fascinating because. It forced people in a process, forced them to complete a circle. But what was interesting is once they finished the circle, they then started to look at the interdependencies mm-hmm. or the correlations between those things. So that was quite... So basically, the what's, what's of what we've just put up here, what's yeah. interesting that we need to talk about. Yeah, yeah. Right. And then they said, but this affects that, that affects that. And, and mm-hmm. things evolved from that. Um, and we developed these things. They were like a magnetic thinking frame. So it went on the hood of the truck. And then the work team just organically took it off the hood and put it on the side of the truck. Right. And we said, what are you doing with that? Well, now we're going to use it throughout the day. And if new people come on site, we're going to use it as an induction tool to brief them. Mm-hmm. And as things start to shift, because things will change, We'll basically do some updates, and at the end of the day, we then get together and we reflect on that plan. Right. And all we did, Mark, is we put a QR code on the frame, and one of the workers would scan the QR code. It would launch the app. It would capture a photo of that, mm-hmm. and then workers would push a record button and record where they had to make do. Right. And would capture that reflection. The AI technology would take that reflection, strip out the keywords mm-hmm. that were being used, look at the emotional sentiment, and present that data over time to the organization in, in a live map. Kind of helping to triage from all that information what's recurring, what's coming up, you mean? Yeah, well, um, so, 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 so I think there's, there's two things. One is, where are things beginning to um, create patterns? Mm-hmm. So, for instance, resources or, right. or equipment failing is another classic one. All the, all the things that people talk about. Right. But the other thing we're also looking for were thing called outliers. So, f- phrase words that we wanted to know about uh, because it, it, it's something that would concern us that may not form a pattern. So, so things like you know bullying and you know harassment and right. you know, all these things are, are things that 
that may not form a pattern straight away, but the organisation wants to be able to um, um, you know, know, know around that type of thing if it's starting to happen. But what was interesting is how the workers improved themselves. So as they became confident in their own ability to problem identify and problem clarify and problem solve, we saw this shift both in sentiment over time. So as they felt they became empowered, we could physically see that shift occurring. Interesting, interesting. And, but of course, you can only see that context of it if the organisation then did a slightly deeper dive. Right. Because because the AI technology is simply giving you patterns and giving mm-hmm. you the stories to look at. Okay, um, it's the converse, as you said, it's the conversation that matters. Absolutely. Because that creates the context. But, but what's been interesting is that um, people now use them as a, as a form of worker engagement. And they've changed how they do their pre-starts mm-hmm. because workers have said, this is the bit that we find valuable. And more effort is now going into reflective capacity. Good. Um, but more importantly, we've also been looking at um, the issues around routine work because not everyone is facing that sort of daily dynamic environment that's going on mm-hmm. some people you know might be working in manufacturing so um, similar principle what we've tried to do is we've tried to get workers to um, look back over a period of time and we've sort of taken that stuff from Ivan Popolo and from Todd and, and Jeffrey Lith and we basically said, you know, over the last, you know, two weeks, can you think of can you think of a time when something didn't make sense to you when you're doing that piece of work, right. or something that was different from what you'd expected to do, or something was more difficult than what you expected? And the group come up with some situations, and then we get them to reflect on those situations through nine organisational factors to create conversation. Right. So, so for instance, in that situation, were you having to take risks? Were you having to avoid risks? Were you having to manage risks? Mm-hmm. In that situation, did the rules support your work? Did they hinder your work? Did you have to make new rules up or not right. use the rules? Unique rules. Yeah. And, and we're not asking for them to choose one of those. We're asking which of those things was present. Because it's, it's which is that, that matters. It's not a question of which of the four, it's which of those was present. And, and then we asked them this really interesting question. If the situation had have been different, one that could have been negative or far worse, right. what could have that have been and how likely could that have happened? So now we're trying to get them to think about the foreseeability component. Right. And, and then we ask this really interesting question at the end. And if that did happen, how would the organization have responded? Very good question. Yeah. Now, I tell you what, organizations have gone OMG. 
When they see that narrative, they go, we had no idea. Yeah, which is often the case. Yeah. Which is really useful information to a brave organization. Correct. But what was interesting is that the workers' perception of that work changed. Because what they realized is that in routine work, that variability still exists. But that variability is accumulating over time. And there was no space for them to actually adjust or to learn from that variability because it was routine. Right. Um, it's on page 28 of the thing we've had for two yeah, years. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so what's been fascinating, and once again, it's all anecdotal because it's really hard to prove, but people have been building these critical thinking skills and a critical appraisal skills through following a framework of thinking. And what's now happened is that they're actually forming their own teams and they're having conversations throughout the day. And that's, that, that is what I think you look for no matter what you're trying to do. Yeah. Is that if you give the workers, you give the people who are doing the work, you know, this big ball of putty that's somehow useful to them and then they actually go out and do things with it. They, yeah. they, make, it their, they make it their own. Yeah. So, so like everything else, um, the stuff I love about what you're doing is that we both want the organization to learn, but we also want workers to learn. Absolutely. And so often, learning is an outcome of an intervention by the organization. Yeah. And, and we've, we've got to try and do both because we, we, we want workers to learn. And, and workers best learn when they have, as you've said, that sense of ownership. Absolutely. And they can see themselves in it. And how do we provide a system that creates that framework to allow those things to, to uh, not, not exist, but to, to be built over time? Because it assumes, it assumes that everyone knows how to re- reflect. I gotta I got tell you, it's, it's, it's a big assumption. I think many safety and, practitioners can't, can't reflect. No. And I think we'd be, um, <clears throat> When we show, especially in a more diffuse organization that has different operating units spread out over geography or different co- countries and stuff like that, when we uh, un, you know, delocalize the intelligence that we're getting from, from the work. So we learned that over here in Mississippi, say, these, these folks came up with, they had a, a, a near miss, they did a learning team, they implemented some things. How do we share that, not just locally, but throughout the Absolutely. greater organization or throughout the discipline, you know, yep. even among competitors when it comes down to safety stuff, you know, yep. I may be competing with you as a utility provider, you know, or a maritime organization or aviation organization. But if I have something that's going to keep our people safe, we need to share that, you know, not only throughout our larger organizations, but from, you know, peer to peer, even competitor to competitor. And I think the challenge is how do we do that so that when someone's reading that output, that they can derive a learning from it. Because without the narrative, without the context, it's just a corrective action. It's an outcome. You can't learn from an outcome. No. Um, So one of the things that we've been experimenting in is um, taking some of Deming's work around the A3 
Do you remember the A3s from Deming? Yeah. Yeah, and, and how to put that into within a learning team's context. And it's been really, because how to get it down to a little A3 sheet that you can look at the context, work is imagined, work is done. You know, uh, provide that categorization around organizational factors. Um, how to use the learning team rather than a five whys, but how to use the learning team to do that, that problem solving component. How to do something around the efficacy of those defenses as well. And then move into that solution mode and and then you know the outcome mode. So that so that on a single sheet, on an A3 sheet, you can see the story. Yes. And by seeing the story, you can say, I could see that happening in our place. Makes sense. Or I never thought of that. Make, so so that's what we've been trying, that's what we're experimenting with at the moment. How how can we how can we get that down into a single A3? Which is quite scary, because for some reason we think that quantity and quality go together. Right. So the bigger the nobody, report... Nobody reads more than two pages, so... <laughs> yeah. We're busy. And Deming produced that A3 because of time, because he said that's what you could fit in a fax machine. Right. So how can we write something and put it into a fax machine that could then be communicated to, to everyone else. Mm -hmm. So that's what we're experimenting with at the moment. Is if, you if, posted. Uh, I want to hear what, you know, how, how these experiments are going. With yeah, because th that's the best part, is organizations are keen to experiment. Mm -hmm. Because w all we said to them is, how do, you, how do you create the environment for people to learn from um, events? Yeah, and, and a report doesn't really give that. Yeah. And I think you also need to give organizations willingness to retreat. You know, so they put yeah. a bunch of people and a bunch of mental effort into things, but if you're not really getting what you need, you need to walk away from those sunk costs and, and try something different. Yeah, yeah. So so that, that's all part of it. So in closing for you, Mark, um, if we think about 2022, uh, apart from the fact that we are so keen to try and get up to North America and catch up with everyone, yeah, which will be a hell of a hell of a great time. I can tell you that now. There'll be a lot yes. of a lot of hair being let down. But um, what 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 would you like to see twenty twenty two being in terms of of how we move hop and learning teams forward? I think that uh, we should, as managers and organizations, we should ask that question I talked about at the beginning. You know, now that we've had this interval of time where we were not as hands-on by necessity. We were working from home, we were scheduled back, we were distancing, we were spreading crews out differently. You know, what changed in our in our outcomes? You know, did we get safer? Did we get more dangerous? Did we have more low-level events or did we have giant events, you know, infrequent events that happened? And 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 to to learn around that. Like what was different? You know, did uh, you know, did our absence make things better? Did it make things worse? And, and we have this opportunity, we've been able to like step back, it was forced upon us, but we've been able to step back, hit the pause button in many cases. And that's a great time to kind of go and evaluate, you know, is what we were doing the best that we could do, you know, and to sit down and, and to have some conversations about. So now that we get to kind of basically restart and re-engage to some level and get back up to whatever our 100% is, wouldn't this be a really interesting time for us to, 
to look at ourselves and look at what we what we're doing, look what, at what what's worked, maybe what isn't serving us, and go out and experiment around changing it. Thank you listeners for being part of this podcast. We would love to hear your learnings or other topics you would like us to explore about learning teams. Go to www.podcastlearnings.com and give us your feedback. Become part of the community of practice with learning teams. Go to www.learningteamscommunity.com. Support the authors of the practice of learning teams. Purchase the book from Amazon.com or go to www.learningteamsbook.com for an inside look and other free book resources from the authors. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.